we have uh, Brother Charles Matthews joined with us today to share from the Word of God. Uh, I, I just want to give uh, you know, a few words of inter- introduction before I hand it over to him. Uh, Brother Charles is an elder at his church in Bangalore. Along with his secular profession, he is also he's a, you know, he's a, tech, a technology marketer. He's involved in teaching small groups and encouraging individuals personally. One of whom actually is right here on the screen with me, Brother Ronnie. Uh, yes yes uh i just wanted to say when benjamin says that he encourages uh it's not just simply saying it uh it was uh when i when i was at a camp in his church uh it was a true blessing to have him there he um prayed with me encouraged me a lot uh really grateful to have you here brother charles today yeah Uh, you said that he had some interests and yeah yeah, something about his family I have that. I have that next actually. So he has a wonderful family. He's a dad to two, and he's married to uh, Dima for the past. Uh, to Dima for uh, his wife Dima for the past uh, fifteen years. Uh, he also also has a love for football, which resonates with a lot of us here. Uh, he supports Liverpool in the EPL and Brazil in the World Cup. Brother Charles, we are so happy you're here today. Uh, no, I'm going to just hand over the session to you without wasting any more time. Uh, Brother Charles, please take it away. All right, thank you guys. Uh, am I coming through clearly? Yes. Yes, perfect. Okay. Okay, all right, because I thought I was having some internet internet problems, so so glad that uh, through well. Okay, so fast to me, one of you asking you how to have days that, hey, I'm just dropping to your house in the next five minutes. Houses all upside down and toxic and, and you're trying to scramble and get a house in. So, so what I wanted to tell you is that uh, you know sometimes we, when I remember when I was a bachelor and uh, suddenly my parents come into my room and and you know my room might be in a in a state of mess and then suddenly you know I would scramble and try to get the room in shape. Um, so this is something which most of us can uh, can relate to because we've all gone through it, right? So keep that question at the back of your mind as we go into this uh, particular parable. And this is a very fascinating parable for me. It's a very interesting and 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 um, and well narrated parable. And uh, so let's let's go through this parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids. Now it is called the parable of the ten virgins, but essentially think of it as the parable of the ten bridesmaids because that's what they were. They were the 10 bridesmaids who were supposed to go with their bride all the way to the groom's house. Okay. Now, for us to really get an understanding of this particular parable, you need to know what the context is, what the Jewish context is, and how a Jewish wedding would take place. Now, Jewish wedding was very different from you know our weddings, which happen happen today. They had three phases. Okay. The first phase was engagement. Engagement is something which we are all used to. It is pretty much similar to how our engagements happen today. So in their engagement, the girl and the boy would come together and the parents or the dads of both sides would actually come to an agreement that they would give their kids to each other. So pretty much simple, uh, pretty much like what happens in today's day and age as well. Now, the most important phase or one of the most important phase is the second phase. In the second phase, what happens is, is um, uh, the 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 boy comes and the boy and the girl come together and they exchange their vows. So because they're exchanging their vows before God and His people and before their families, 
this is the most important phase of the marriage ceremony. And but this phase is called the betrothal. Now there's a catch here. Okay, the catch here is that after the wedding, after the betrothal, the boy doesn't take the girl home and go to his place. The boy doesn't do that. So that's that's where it, it, it it's a little different. What the boy does is after this, he goes to the girls uh, to the boy's home, and he takes this time between the second and the third phase to go and do an extra job uh, so that he can earn better uh, before his wife comes home. Or sometimes he builds an extension to his father's house and builds a room for him and his wife. So he does everything that is required to build a place which is comfortable for his wife who's going to come home. So that is the betrothal phase. And, and, and up to a year it would take before they both actually start living together. Okay. Now coming to the third phase. Third phase is a big phase, a celebratory phase. In this phase, what happens is the boy with his friends, with the groomsmen, they come in the night from his home to the girl's home. And he comes and takes her away in a procession through the night from her village to his village. And this is a, this is a spectacular phase. It's a, it's a celebratory phase. Everyone is happy and they will sing and dance their way to the boy's place. Now, their wedding was much more fun than our weddings. In our weddings, people come with suit and boot, and you know we, we try to look extra serious with gelled hair, possibly. Uh, but their wedding was a lot of fun, and gaiety was part of their wedding system. So the third phase is where this particular story is set. Okay, And that's something which I want you to just keep in mind. So this story is set in the third phase. Now, if you have your Bibles, please open to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll quickly go through this particular parable. Matthew chapter 25, and I'm reading from verse 1. It says, And the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So the lamp, remember, the lamp is an important accessory because this is what the groomsmen and the bridesmaid would hold as they march through the night from the girl's house to the boy's house. So they have their accessory ready. So externally, they have everything that qualifies them to be a bridesmaid. But it says five of them were foolish and five of them were prudent. Now, why were they foolish and why were they prudent? We'll move on. And it says, for when the foolish took their lamb, they took no oil with them. Now, this is interesting because when I, you know, I studied the story when I was small, but I thought that they actually didn't carry with them sufficient oil. But the fact is they are called foolish because they did not take oil with them. They took the lamp, but they did not take the oil. Now, that's interesting. And then it says, now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Now, why is the bridegroom delaying? We have no idea, right? Only he knows uh, why he and his um, and his friends, the groomsmen, why they are stuck. So these people are waiting and waiting, but he's not arriving. We don't know what happened. Maybe his Mercedes had a flat tire. We don't know. But then the fact is, he was delaying and they went off to sleep. Okay. And then we move on to verse 6. Verse 6 says, but at midnight, there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. This must have been like an advanced party, which would go ahead to tell people that, hey, the bridegroom is coming and, and, and be ready. So this advanced party comes in and it says, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Okay, so people would have all gotten up and they would have tried to be ready. And then it says, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Now, what is this trimming? You know, at the, at, at the, at the top of the lamp, there, are, there, there, is a, there is a piece of cloth. And that is what is used as a wick for the flame to burn. And so they would trim the lamp. They would trim the cloth 
so that the flame burns well, okay? Um, so, and then in verse eight, it says, and the foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Okay, they, they suddenly realized that, man, we didn't carry the oil. They came, maybe they must have come fully dressed. They were decked well. They, they carried the torch, but they didn't have the oil. And they are running now helter-skelter and trying to ask these people, hey, can you give me your oil, please? And then the fact is, how can they give the oil? It says, no, there will not be enough for us. It says, there will not be enough for us. And, and, and you go and, and instead buy from the dealers for yourself. So it's already too late. The bridegroom was delaying and he came and, and they figure out that they don't have the oil and they want to go with him, but they figure out that they don't have the oil and they have now run to, 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 the, to the merchant. They have run to the store uh, to get the oil. Okay, now move to verse 10. It says, and while they were going to make the purchase, what happens? The bridegroom came and those who were ready, they went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. They they so these guys were out. Those who were ready, they went to the they went with the bridegroom, and then the door was shut. Now the bridegroom was already late. It is his big day, and on his big day, he went with whoever was ready. He didn't have time to wait for those who didn't carry the oil. And imagine this. I mean, when I when I when I had read this verse earlier, you know, I was just thinking, and it says, and the door was shut. Have you ever had an instance where somebody just bangs the door on your face? You know, I've had an instance where someone once slammed the phone down on me, and I remember how uh, how 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 bad I felt. I took I took offense to that the way someone would just bang the door down on me, the, the phone down on me. And here it says the door was shut. They had absolutely no entry. And you know, if you think about it, it is always better to have the door shut behind you than have the door shut ahead of you because you're inside. But having the door shut in front of you is something to be avoided. And then, and then these people come in verse 11 and says, you know, Lord, open, 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 open for us. And then the Lord says, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. You know, your, your, your time is over. You're done, right? Your time is done. You have no more access here. And what is this parable telling, telling us today? Okay, this parable is having an important lesson for each one of us here today. Because if you go to the previous chapter, if you go to if you go to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, what does it say? It says, therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day the Lord is coming. So it is said in the context of the Lord's coming, and it is saying, for you do not know when the Lord is coming. And, and when we go down to verse 44, it says, for this reason, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. So the coming of the Son of Man is totally unexpected. He can come at any time. So what is this parable trying to say? This parable is trying to say that just like how these five foolish virgins were, there are many of us in our churches who are externally ready or who seem to be ready externally. They have all the appearance of being ready for the arrival of the groom, but they are not. They don't have the oil uh, in, their, in, their, in their torch. Now, now, I don't want to draw a major conclusion here, but what is significant is that five out of the ten were foolish. So I don't want to say that now half the church uh, uh, is, is, is not saved. That's not what I want to say. But the fact is, a significant number in the believing community might not truly 
have known the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. And that is a big number. And that is a big number. You know, this. Um, I, I know many of you would have heard of the speaker called John Piper. And what John Piper said is that the gospel must continuously be preached in our church because he believes that the church is full of people who are on their way to hell. Right? And that is a very shocking statement because many of us, most of us who have grown up in believing homes, we all have gone to Sunday school. We can recite Bible verses. We can sing songs. We can go for camps. We can, we can put on a nice kit. We can, we can break bread. We can share a beautiful thought. You know, you might be, you might be an active member in your church. But the fact is, the question to ask is, are you just having an appearance of being saved? Or... And is your heart still still in sin? Is your heart still far away? Are you still enjoying in all the pleasures when there is no one who is watching you? What are you doing behind closed doors? What are you doing when no one is aware of what you're doing? And at that point of time, is your heart truly seeking holiness? And is your heart truly, truly seeking all the good things that the Bible calls holy? Now, this is a very important question that I want you to ask because the because you know in in in, in just in you know Jesus repeatedly talks about this because if you go if you go just uh, two chapters behind right if you go to uh, chapter twenty two there is a parable of the marriage feast and Jesus actually tells about a man who was put out of the marriage function because he didn't have the right clothes and there it's speaking about the cloth of righteousness which Jesus which which we get because of Jesus Christ and you don't have that you are cast out right you might be in the wedding feast but you are cast out. If you go to Matthew chapter 7, it speaks about the false prophets and it speaks about bearing fruit. And here there is a very, very important verse. It says that many will say on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And what does the Lord say? It says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, right? So in the book of Matthew itself, we find Jesus constantly talking about this. And this is a reminder for us to check ourselves whether we are truly regenerated in our heart. Are we just followers of Christ because we were brought up in these uh, Christian homes and we went to a godly church where every Sunday you heard the word of God and you broke bread and because at a certain age you had to get baptized, you got baptized. Is it that? Or has the gospel been real to you? How do you know that? How do you know that through your life? The good test which I do for myself is I ask myself this question today, today, right? What is the date today? Today is 26 June, right? 26 June today, this year, 2021. Am I a better Christian than what I was last year? Has my, has my desire for godly living increased over the last one year? The sins that I battle with, either in my mind or otherwise, have those desires been coming down? Am I valuing God? more than anything else in the world? Am I growing in him? Right? We are not talking about sinless perfection because the Bible itself says that, you know, if anyone says you don't have sin, then you're a liar. But the fact is, are you growing? Are you on the path of sanctification? Because if you are truly saved and regenerated, the Bible says further, in, again, in First John, that you will not continue in sin. You will not enjoy sin. Your heart, there will be a tug in your heart which is pulling you away from that. And that's what, and that's what I want you to ask today. You know, it would be so unfortunate that if the Lord comes, if in our churches and, and especially all of you who are listening to this message today, if there is any one of us here 
who assume that we are saved because of something we did, we raised our hands somewhere, but you know, in your heart, you truly hadn't repented. That would be that would be very, very unfortunate. And it is my humble prayer that you know, you guys, after this meeting, or maybe tomorrow, you go through this parable of the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids, because it is so easy for us to put on an appearance of being saved when our heart would still be rotting in sin. And this is a big problem with, with people like me who grew up in a Christian home, right? And, and, and you know, this, this, this whole COVID situation has, has just turned the world upside down. We all know of various people who would have, uh, who would have lost their lives. But, but I just want, I mean, we don't even know, right? I mean, uh, okay, now vaccines have come, but we don't even know what's going to happen next year at the same time. I don't know if I'll be there. You won't know whether you will be there because a lot of young people itself lost their lives this time. But the question to ask is, if the Lord comes, right? Either if the Lord comes or either if we, 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 you know, we kick the bucket, we, we die. The question to ask ourselves is, will we go with him into the wedding party or will we be left outside? Will the door be shut in front of us or will the door get shut behind us, right? You know, a young uh, Sunday school girl, she came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and her friends asked, uh, you know, uh, what were you before? She said, I was a sinner before. So then they asked her, what are you today? And she said, I'm a sinner today. So then they asked, what changed? She said, you know, earlier I was a sinner who was running after sin, but now I'm a sinner running away from sin, right? So, so that's a good test for us to make sure that we are truly saved and our hearts are truly regenerated and renewed. If you have a doubt, I would suggest that you talk to your elders, you talk to anybody that you think you're comfortable with, talk to the organizers of this program and ensure that your faith, ensure that your salvation is real and that, uh, and that, uh, and that um, when the Lord comes, you're truly in the wedding and you're not standing outside. So, so, so I, just want to, uh, I just want to end by inviting a friend of mine, a good friend. We fellowship together in the same church. He went through, uh, he went through a, a similar phase, uh, something, something like what I just described. Uh, his name is Justin James. Um, Justin, thank you for joining. Um, I know we, we briefly spoke about uh, some of these things. Justin, uh, since we don't have much time, I, I think we just have about 10 minutes. I'll quickly jump into the first question, Justin. One is, what are your thoughts on what we just spoke? And then, and then I know a bit about your background. So how was it, um, you know, uh, having an appearance of being a child of God um, while your heart was actually away from him? Can you just uh, briefly take a few minutes to explain that? Uh, thanks, Charles. Uh, I hope I'm audible. Uh, just to uh, mention, Charles, a very interesting question. When I was uh, growing up in Bharan, uh, putting putting on an appearance was, I would say, the best way to get by. You know, like uh, you know, church was just like anything else. School, tuitions, my friends, uh, and you know, all of uh, and even family. Church was just something like that. And, and I, for me, it was just about pleasing people. Uh, I did everything to keep people happy, like uh, you know, sharing thoughts on time, Sunday school, uh, organizing kids program, kids workshops, VBS teaching, uh, all of those things. And I knew that people were happy with that. Like people were satisfied with that. And uh, uh, and I was not a troublemaker. Like I was not a person who was into drugs or drinking and uh, anything like of those things. So uh, the the those people were looked down by the church. Oh, externally, oh, 
these guys are doing all of these things so they are fine i mean they they were in trouble but me externally i was doing all of these things so i was like you know op- uh, accepted with open arms so i was i would do everything to please these people and you know so it was i was just literally a uh, you know a, a people pleaser and mostly people in church uh, were fine with that uh, i just want to say that additionally when i did go to kerala for my higher studies all of these things that i had put up because they had no foundations because i was just doing it to please people there there was nothing holding it up anymore and i realized you know i don't need to stick to these these uh, uh, whatever i do because it was all a mask and i could drop it immediately and you know just move on and do whatever i wanted and enjoy that uh, that freedom yeah yeah thank th- th- thanks for that justin i mean it's it's uh, i mean that's a story with uh, many of us right we 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 often um because we have to put on a show we have we are masters at putting on a show whereas our hearts would be so far away uh, from the lord jesus christ but tell me justin i mean a, a question to help the rest of us understand how did you come to this realization that you are actually putting on a show and that you actually need to repent and come to know the lord jesus christ uh, or, or 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 you know it's not just fine to just be caught up in christian activities uh but but a regeneration of the heart has to happen can you just explain that process and 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 what made you uh, uh what got you to that point um uh, yeah so so this this road uh, okay for me this complete road of repentance and redemption and even when god is sanctifying me now it was a long and painful road uh, god broke me a lot uh but but i thought something that i can share because i had built this cushy comfortable life i was very comfortable and you know like uh even though there was this void inside me always waiting for something like it's always missing out on something i was very comfortable and uh while i don't want to talk about that journey itself uh something uh, i felt like uh, what what uh, this program itself the fellowship factor i realized it was an instant in my life which kind of started this whole this whole journey into my uh, uh, change in my uh, life so uh so i don't know if any if anyone struggled this with this but when i was in burren all of us youth like those of us who were in the same age we were kind of pitted against each other okay it was like it was not like um, it was not done on purpose but our worth was was based on our marks how well we did in uh, in studies how creative we were with our talents our skills you know like what we did in church or uh, with different programs and we were kind of gauged you know there was like a meter that kept going up and down and and there was it was almost like a bitter rivalry even though the friendship was there it was it was almost like where am i standing because this is where what other people will be thinking and there was uh one brother uh who who i was always compared against and this brother later so we after school and you know we all split up in college and this brother he he was in india for a while and he had come to burren uh, to visit we were the same age and i was like oh okay it's all going to start again like you know we, uh, i started being weary okay this guy is going to be compared and i have to do my best you know like i have to do something to beat him in some way of uh, possible and what happened is it it was it, what happened is this brother just said just i want to spend some time with you uh and 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 uh, he just reached out to me and he said can i spend some time with you and uh, and he just him showing his genuine concern and then he just said can i pray with you i know it sounds very cliche okay but but the concept of telling someone like can i just pray for you you know can i can i just see and, and the concern he showed was not his what he was doing was not a fruit of all of these things which i told you about it was a fruit of genuine love and concern for a fellow brother i mean that's what we are talking about this uh, this whole thing is the fellowship factor it was it was a love of a brother that 
suddenly showed me all of this thing meant nothing it was it was like how solomon says it was a, it was all his vanity and i realized i needed to come to a place you know where uh, repentance was the direction and i needed to this this mask had to break and i would say that was just a start but just as genuine love from a brother when he didn't bother what others thought about himself but genuine authenticity was what led me uh, i would say to to come to i would say to start my journey to repentance yeah praise god for that justin because uh, it is so important that uh, we have people um, in either a local church or in the larger church who can challenge us right and who can who can who, who can uh, who can cause us to think about uh, about the state of our heart and 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 I praise god for occasions like this fellowship factor that we are having here today where where you know so many of you have joined from possibly all over india or maybe even outside but the but but the thing that we would uh, we would really request of you to uh, to do is to is to is to just check what is the state of your heart okay uh, we'll just move to the last question justin and um, justin what is your advice uh, for people who might be battling this thought uh, maybe after hearing your story as to um, hey um, am i i mean what, what am i supposed to do right they might be caught in a fix now um, you know have i been putting on a show or am i truly regenerated what is your advice to such people uh Yeah so Charles so I was just even when you were talking I was thinking about how you mentioned about self examination and and I think that was very important uh see I, I'll be honest none of us can we can fool ourselves to an extent fool everyone around us uh but definitely the lord, the the lord will be always fight, uh, will push you to know that there is something you know you're not right, right doing something right and the, and I would say a good good place to start would be of self examining yourself like What, where am i in this journey am i really doing this if christ came tomorrow will am i do I have a, a place with him or am i doing all of this to please people so self examination to know that uh, where do i stand right now i think charles brought it up very beautifully in his sermon and and i would say if you have questions uh, ask ask out uh, we have many brothers uh, if if not your leadership even the, uh, many of our brothers here who organize this uh, uh, this this ministry this meeting uh, you can always reach out to them and ask you know connect with someone who you can build an authentic relationship uh, because you know you need to have that you need to get out of that mask uh, and i would say that is i i would say that's just a bit of advice i want to share all right thanks justin so thanks everybody for listening to us and uh, just to conclude right the fellowship factor the the this meeting itself is um, is is named after fellowship right fellowship is so important it is people around you god you know the bible says that like how iron sharpens iron we should we should sharpen one another right talk to people and 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 get encouragement right um talk to anybody if you are in doubt but what you should do is if you ever have a doubt act on it right don't sleep on it because when the bridegroom comes you should be ready to go with him you shouldn't be left behind and and another question that we would request you we would plead with you to to ask yourself is you know has your life really turned away from sin repentance is what turning to god and turning away from sin has is that really true in your life right ask ask yourself those questions and it is a humble desire and prayer that if any of you is battling this that you tackle it head on and very prayerfully talk to people and address the issue all right so thank you once again for your time and from justin and myself we want to thank you for this opportunity and god bless the rest of the program thank you bye bye